Hi, and welcome to The Movie Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And this week we are covering The Devil All the Time. And I have titled this one, Justice for Jack. Yes! yes! Right? Yes! I like that. That's a good one. All right. The book was originally published July 12th, 2011, and it's written by Donald Ray Pollock. The movie just came out like a week ago. <laughs> it's brand new on Netflix. It's rated R. It's a crime drama thriller, two hours and 18 minutes, which I was surprised about because the book isn't that long. True. It's only like 300 and some pages. They used their time wisely though. They did. Yeah. They did. It's directed by Antonio Campos. He's actually one that screen wrote it as well. Uh, he's the producer and director of the show, The Sinner. Which, oh, we, okay. which we really like. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I like that. If you haven't watched it yet on Netflix, pause this episode, go watch it, and then come back and listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the IMDb synopsis reads, Sinister characters... Sinister. Uh, I love that word. I get it. <laughs> Sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town teeming with corruption and brutality. Ooh. <laughs> That's a good synopsis. I think like, so too. I, and did you watch the trailer for the movie? I did not. The trailer's really good. It actually seems a lot more intense than the movie and book actually mm, were. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it. it's a good overall view of the movie without giving too much yes. away, which I like. Some interesting facts. The author is actually from Knockamstiff, Ohio. I think that's how you say it. Oh. Knockamstiff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did not realize it was an actual place. No, it sounds so, fake. It totally sounds fake, right? So um, this was actually the author's first novel. Prior to this, the only thing he had done was a series of short stories, which were actually titled Knockamstiff. And then um, the book was nominated for 2011 Goodreads Choice Awards for Best Horror. It did not win, but still got nominated. So it's technically a horror movie? I guess, I guess so. Yeah, I, well... I mean, yeah, yes. considering some of the gore. Yeah, I yeah. can see it. <laughs> also, I guess you didn't read this part. So the author of the book is actually the narrator for the movie. I saw it at the end of the movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fascinating. Yeah. And what what I thought, he did an amazing job. I agree. Like, it was like kind of like a Morgan Freeman type like <laughs> vibe. Like, it was like yeah. that old kind of sound that you wanted. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I agree. For for a movie like this or a book that has so many different characters, it's always nice to have a narrator to kind of cut through all of the different like characters and like their thoughts yeah, and stuff. So exactly. I appreciated that. So the movie, like I said, just came out. So there's still not a whole lot of backstory from this movie yet. Uh, as of right now, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is only giving it a 66%. Ooh. There's been not some... some Reviews that have not been very nice, oh, no. <laughs> to say the least. Um, but it is one of those type of movies, really, that you either like it for its artistic value or you don't get mm -hmm. it. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, but we can get more into that a little bit later. This was actually filmed uh, or shot in a 35 millimeter. So, which I guess Netflix doesn't usually approve, mm -hmm. but they felt like this was... Made sense for Yeah, made movie. sense for it. Yeah. So, And you can kind of see it. It looks like it was kind of... It wasn't filmed currently. Could, yeah. It could have been like a film that was, you know, from the 60s or something right, almost. Right. In the movie, there is a scene with a bunch of spiders in it. And we'll go into that a little bit later. But I guess those were actually real spiders. Oh, dear God. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but I, the funny thing is when I was watching it, 
I really thought that they were fake. <laughs> or CGI. They kind of looked a little kinda, fake. So maybe it's a, a combination of both. But I was like, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie is set in a couple different time periods. It's about like three, kind of three different time periods where kind of wartime uh, and then right after the war. And then about 10 years later. Mm-hmm. So the costume director, actually, it was like a huge task for her to try to figure out how to dress all the different characters. And one of the reasons that it was so hard for the more current, I think it was like the 60s, it was mm-hmm. how far it got up into. A lot of the styles from the 60s are becoming more current now. Huh. So there was stuff that she would put on them that she's like, okay, this looks like they could be wearing it right now. <laughs> so that's why it seems even a little bit more ostentatious, like the ruffled shirt of, sure. of you know, the preacher Rubber, and yeah. stuff. Because she needed it to make sure it looked like it was in that time era, yeah. but that it also didn't look current. Well, like someone like Harry Styles would definitely wear that shirt today. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I thought she did a great job. I mean, yeah, it, I that had costume. to be a tough, a tough task for her. For sure. <laughs> so the cast of this movie, I mean, really star studded. I'd say so. You know, I, I loved, I love seeing these actors who are in a lot of mainstream films mm-hmm do films like this, you yeah. know? And like, like I said, there's going to be a lot of different reviews of this movie, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching these actors act some of these roles. Yeah. So we'll start with Arvin Russell, who is one of the main characters of the movie played by Tom Holland. He is the son of a war vet in this movie. And he kind of goes through all the trials and tribulations mm-hmm. of, of the movie. Um, Tom Holland obviously is Spider-Man and I love him. I and do too. <laughs> Kind of like, so I follow him on Instagram and all of a sudden, like, I think he's so cute and I just love his mannerisms. And I'm like, okay, I need to look to see how old he is. (laughs) He's actually 24. So I didn't feel like as creepy, but I loved him in this. Uh, He's the top billing character in this, in this movie or actor in this movie. uh, But he doesn't appear until the 46th minute of it. So he's only in about, you know, half of it. Because he's younger in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I liked him in it. I thought it was, I thought he was great. I did too. It, as you mentioned, these, these actors are so well known for their characters. So it's like hard to put yourself in a mental state to like see them in a different light. Mm-hmm. But I do think he did a good job. There's a scene where he is beating up another character mm-hmm. in the, in the garage. And there's a part where he kicks the door in and it was a very much of a superhero <laughs> kick in. And I was like, okay. <laughs> His training has done him well. You're definitely still Spider-Man in my book. <laughs> But I would love to see him in more roles like this. Yeah, so I think I he, he, did he can awesome do it job. for sure. So Preston Teagarden is one of the preachers that is in this movie and is played by Robert Pattinson, who we all know as Edward from Twilight. <laughs> he took his inspiration for this character by watching a lot of videos of different preachers and like pop stars of that time mm-hmm. because they are their own. They were the kind of their own characters totally in their time. Um, and we'll get more into the accents of these characters um, in a little bit, but <laughs> it doesn't even sound like him. <laughs> no, you, if you close your eyes, no way anyone would know that this was Robert Pattinson. And a lot of the characters actually um, went to vocal and accent coaches beforehand. And they had to bounce it off the director to make sure it was right. Mm-hmm. Well, he actually told the director that he did not want to share his accent with anyone until the first day of shooting. Because he didn't want to be self-conscious about it. He just <laughs> wanted to like commit to it and right. just go with it. And I guess the director ended up being okay with it at the end. But he was the one that wa- didn't want ev- anyone else to hear it. And his is... Way more outlandish. Yeah. I can imagine sitting at that first table read and everybody just like turning their heads like, 
what 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 just happened (laughs) yeah you can't tell it was him at all well especially considering he has a thick british accent so it's like it's very well and you know we know him from twilight and he has an american accent or non-accent and so it's just it was again i love watching these guys in in roles like this and so it's just nice to see him doing something a little bit more not adult but like more mature and being more like the villain, yeah. too. So, as we know, he's new Batman. That's right. And I will tell you, I just saw him in The Tenant. Like, this is Robert Pattinson's, like, coming out. Like, granted, I think his coming out in terms of he's no longer Edward He's Cullen. a serious actor now. He is. Yeah. He's great in The Tenant. I'm excited. I've been excited about him for Batman and then watching him in this. I'm I'm excited for where his career's going. Listen, Batman will forever be Christian Bale for me, well. but I'll give him a chance. <laughs> so, Willard Russell is Arvin's dad. He mm-hmm. was a war vet and comes back and kind of loses his mind, basically. Yes. Is played by Bill Skarsgård, who is the brother of Alexander Skarsgård. Yes. And his dad was in um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Uh, do you know who he is? Uh, what other character he plays famously? Famously? He's a famous horror film character. Oh, gosh. No, in I the didn't. new versions. I did not IMDb him. He is Pennywise in it. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I forgot about it until like, I was like looking, I'm like, oh my God, it, it, he looks so different. I was going to say the makeup completely like. You go have to Google it after, yeah. we, after we get through this. But yeah, it's crazy. He was also in Castle Rock. I loved him in that. He's great. Yeah. I love, I mean, you know my feelings about Alexander. So, <laughs> I mean, Bill's getting up there. I think the Skarsgård <laughs> family in general, like props to them. They have some good acting genes in that family. Yeah. So I, I loved him in this role as well. I, I was I was a little concerned that he was going to be too close to age mm-hmm. with Arvin as I was reading this, but then realizing that Tom Holland plays the older version right. and he's not really in the film with him. Right, right. It was, it was good. Uh, so Roy Lafferty is another preacher in this movie. He's even more crazy <laughs> than the other ones. Um, but he is played by Harry Melling, yes. who is Dudley in Harry Potter. Oh, good old Dudley Dursley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was cuckoo in this. Like they, He has a way bigger role in the book, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk about. But I, again, I love seeing these guys in different roles. It's I mean, just, I, especially him, because I love Harry Potter so much. And... Dudley Dursley is a terrible character. Yeah. And I didn't really like Roy's character, to be honest. But, like, just seeing him, like, older and, like, he's lost a lot of weight. Like, he looks good. But I was just like, you will always be Dudley. You will never not be Dudley. (laughs) But I thought he did a decent job. So Lee Bodecker is the sheriff in Mm -hmm. the movie. Um, It's played by Sebastian Stan. Do you know who, what famous character he plays? I forget his name, but he's in... Captain America, right? Yes, he's Bucky Barnes. (laughs) That's right. He's in a bunch of the movies, Um, which is kind of funny because, you know, uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, so they've worked Mm -hmm. together. And actually, Chris Evans was initially um, casted for this role, but due to scheduling conflicts, he's had to drop out of it. And so Bucky ended up, Bucky, (laughs) Sebastian ended up taking the spot. So it was kind of funny because, you know, they're in in Captain America together. So was he like, Hey, I can't do this, but like my buddy over here. I I mean, I I feel like the world of, you know, acting is kind of like, you, you know, people, but yeah, it's who you know. know Thank you. So I thought that was good. And I had one of those moments during the film. Like, why do I know? Like, I know this guy. Like, but we know him with long hair. Yeah, so it's a little so different. different. And there's like so many parts where I feel like there's things in his cheeks throughout the movie. He looks like he put on a little weight for this. Yeah, role, I think. So um, I thought that was. I thought it was kind of 
fun to see him again yeah. in a different role. Last person I uh, wanted to talk about is Helen in the movie. Mm-hmm. She actually ends up marrying Roy, the pre- the preacher, um, is played by Mia Wazakowska. Good job. <laughs> yes, I think so. Um, and she actually plays Alice in Alice in Wonderland in the new ones. No wonder she looks so familiar. She looks very different in these films. She's very homely. homely. She's, lost, she's older now, but she's also, yeah. I think, lost a lot of weight. Her hair is completely different. But you can still see that mm-hmm. core, like, shape of her face and yeah. stuff. Wow. Okay, now it all makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, people have their thoughts about this movie. I loved the cast. I thought they did great. They paid a lot of money for this cast. Really? Yeah, so... Um, I'll be curious to see how much it makes. Because I think I read somewhere, not only is it on Netflix, but they're actually releasing it in theaters as well, right? Oh, I hadn't heard yeah, that. Yeah, I think I saw I saw somewhere that they're doing both. So I'd be curious to see like how much actual money they make off of this movie. Yeah, so... Fascinating. <laughs> All right, time for our games rounds. First up, we've got Who Said It? So I'm going to read you some quotes, and you have to guess who said it. You ready? Yep. All right, first one. What I'm saying is that when it comes right down to it, everybody suffers in the end. Goodness. Arvin? Close. Willard. <laughs> I think I made these a little hard. Yeah. Well, this, I feel like all of these are going to be kind of hard. Know. There's a lot of characters in this movie. That's true. All book. right. Next one. Them tears he shed is the kind of thing makes for a good picture. Those last couple minutes was the only time in his whole miserable life when he wasn't faking it. So I have a 50-50 shot at this one. So it's Carl? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I didn't include Carl in the in the casting, but He's pretty well known too. He is. Yeah. Uh, he he I loved him in this. He's very creepy and yes. kind of dirtbaggy. He he fits the role very well. Yes. All right, next one. But I'm the law around here, girl. You gotta find out that makes all the difference. Well, that would be Lee. Yes. Bodecker. <laughs> Officer Lee Bodecker. <laughs> Sheriff Lee Sheriff Bodecker. Lee Bodecker. <laughs> Last one. It's hard to live a good life. It seems like the devil don't ever let up. Is that Arvin? No. Dang it. <laughs> I did not do very... I swear I read this I book. purposely <laughs> didn't pick Arvin just to Dang throw you it. off. <laughs> that was my guess. Oh, it's it's Roy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did not do very... I swear I read this, this book. <laughs> it is. There's a lot of characters, <laughs> yes. so I'll give it to you. All right. We're going to do a fun little um, accent rating because there's a lot of different accents as we mentioned so i'm gonna go through them and you got to give me a rating between one and five one being awful five being incredible first up we've got willard played by bill skarsgård i think i'll give it like a like a three because i don't remember him having like a crazy accent or whatever i'm giving him a two because I don't know if he meant to do this, but he has, like, a very, like, thick and, like, just, like, grizzly type of, like, the way he talks. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that doesn't fit you. You're, like, a tall, gangly guy. That's like, true. It just didn't fit for yeah. me. So I'm giving him a two. All right. Roy, played by Harry Melling. I'll give him a four. I liked him a lot. And he had that, like, crazed, like, anxiety mm-hmm. type Yeah. I'm accent. going 4.5. I was, I was, okay, I, I didn't was know we could do 0.5. I mean, it's a rating <laughs> scale. You can okay. do anything of it. You could do like a 2.2 if you All really right. wanted to. <laughs> All right, next up, Arvin, played by Tom Holland. God, I love Tom Holland so much. And I have to remember, he is he has an English accent. He He's mo- British too? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, follow him on Instagram. He is the cutest patootie ever. <laughs> he is so great. Okay, I, I will him. do that. Um, Like, I need I want need one of my friends to, like, marry him because I I'll get right friends. on it. I'm going to give him, like, a three because there's a lot of mumbling. 
it was hard. Of course, I watched it with captions. Yes. So, but there were some times where I was even like, wait, what did you just say? I also watched it with captions. <laughs> yeah. For the first time, I was like, I need I need someone to yeah. translate. Um, I will also give him a three. Yes. I agree with that one. Uh, next up is Reverend T. Garden, played by Robert Pattinson. Look, I'm going to give him a five for the commitment. <laughs> I, I, I thought he did great. And again, it was that kind of like anxiety preacher. Mm-hmm. That's what I expected that yeah. character to be. I'm going to give him a four only because... At certain parts, it gets so high pitched that I'm like, ooh, cringe. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, like he committed to this yeah. character. So I was impressed. Um, next up, we've got Charlotte, who haven't, we haven't talked about. But Charlotte was, or in the movie, is Willard's wife. She's played by Haley Bennett. I'm going to give her like a two because she was not very memorable to me. That's fair. I liked her. I thought she was cute. So I'm giving her a 3.5. I thought she was very homely. And I thought Bill Skarsgård could do better. <laughs> in life. Fair enough. Uh, Next up, we've got Lenora, who is another character in the movie. She plays, how do we explain this? She plays Arvin's half stepsister sort of thing. It's whatever. She's played by Eliza Scanlon. I'll give her accent a three. I thought she was fine. The girls, I felt like, didn't commit very much to the accents. No, but I also felt like theirs sounded a lot more real (laughs) maybe that's why they didn't stand out (laughs) that's that's probably why but i agree i'll give her a three uh next up we've got lee bodecker who we talked about played by sebastian stan i'm gonna give him a four i thought he did a really good job and was kind of like smug and still had that like deep southern type accent yeah i'll give him a three just because he was a dick in the movie (laughs) (laughs) um last up we have carl who is played by jason clark I don't know. I feel like he didn't commit <laughs> as much. I'm going to give him a one. Ooh, yeah. ouch. I'm going to give him a three as well. You gave everyone a three. That's not true. I gave the people the, what they deserved. I don't think anybody deserved a five. Let's be honest. <laughs> Some of these were really cringy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got F. Mary Kill. There were a lot of different characters to choose from, so it was pretty hard for me to choose, but I'm going to give you three. Okay. We've got Arvin, because okay. technically he does become age appropriate by the end of the movie. He does. <laughs> Tea Garden, because okay. I have to put Robert Pattinson in there, and Willard. Thank you. I was hoping. <laughs> I got to give you the Scars Guard. Oh, gosh. Okay. Do you want me to base it off of, like, base it off of their characters, not the actual actors? Uh, fine. <laughs> We're going to kill Tea Garden because he sucks. <laughs> and he sucks. And he's a cheater. Yeah. I will get in the back of a Cadillac with Arvin. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Where do you yes. come up with these? Uh, they just come to me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and I will marry Willard because he is committed to his wife. A little he, too much. He only wanted to go where she went, including heaven. Fair enough. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> I am going to marry Arvin. Why? He's just cute. I like him. He's a murderer. Yeah, but like he murdered the people that deserved it. Again, okay. spoiler alert. Okay. Gosh. <laughs> I will get in the back of a Cadillac with Tea Garden because he looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, and then I'm just going to kill Willard because he's already dead. That's so. so sad. <laughs> That's so sad. That's fine. All right. Let's get into this one. I will say this book was a little hard to read. Really? Not hard to read. It was just a slow moving book. Okay. Fair. And I wanted it to, like, every time I wanted to keep going in one direction, it stopped me and went a different direction. Yeah. It, with story, There's a lot of different storylines. And, and a lot of back and forth, for sure. Yes. So, the movie starts out with a narrator, which I thoroughly enjoyed, because compared to 
you know, in all the bright places where we didn't get the narration mm-hmm. that we direly needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy that that's how it started off. Uh, he starts introducing the different cities of Mead and Coal Creek and Knock'em Stiff. And so I like that, that you kind of got the visual mm-hmm. of where they were. And then we get introduced to the Russells right off the bat. There's a little bit of the time back and forth. Um, so it's, it shows them in this house that they're, you know, af- it's, this is after the war technically right. already. And then we see uh, Willard going to the cross in the clearing, which in my mind, when I was reading it, the clearing was like a big open field. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Not the woods. No. <laughs> like in the movie, it's just like this, you know, like literally in the deep of the woods and no one can see them, which made it a little more eerie, I guess. Yeah. So the prayer log is basically where they go and pray for everything. Right. <laughs> and Willard says that his father was fighting the devil all the time. And which is where the movie gets its book, book and movie get its title, mm-hmm. which I was kind of wondering when I first, you know, read into yeah. this, I was like, I don't understand what it totally means, but now I get it. Totally. And <laughs> it kind of plays out through the rest of the movie and the book as well. Yeah. And so that's kind of how the book starts right after that part in the book though. Um, Willard actually goes and beats up a guy, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> which happens a little bit later in the movie. But, um, the timelines get a little jumbled between the book and the movie in, in this. Another one of those. Keep up with us, guys. We'll, yes. we'll get you to the end, <laughs> yes. I promise. But we do get a flashback of Willard in the war. And there is a soldier hung up on the cross who was um, basically hung up there by the Japanese. Mm-hmm. And Willard ends up killing him just as a mercy kill. Yes. And that really stays with him. So it's an important part, you know, that they kept from the book because it really sets the tone of... Willard's a little yeah he's seen some damaged shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we see him back now on the bus headed back home from the war and he goes into the cafe or the diner mm-hmm. where Charlotte was working uh, what I thought was funny is that they kind of introduced multiple characters in this scene mm-hmm. which doesn't fully happen in the book yeah we, um, we meet Sandy and Carl who don't show up until way later in the book right but i liked it because it just kind of like gave you like a little bit of oh hey remember these two they'll Mm -hmm. be back later well and a big theme of this book was really like how people who are not connected at all Mm -hmm. at one point and another have come in contact with each other and can circle back at any point in time uh but we start right off the bat we get carl and sandy together And you get the narration of that these two end up becoming a couple, then that they had a bait, they had a shooter, and they had these models. So Mm -hmm. you know something is kind of crazy with them. I loved their storyline. And I wish almost this whole book was about that (laughs) and them trying to figure out who was doing what they were doing. So that was one of the things that I was struggling with the book. Then that just becomes a murder mystery book. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I love them. <laughs> uh, but like I said, this is also where Willard meets Charlotte. He doesn't actually fully meet her. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't even get her name. Um, he sees her, you know, paying money for to a homeless man outside, which I don't believe happens in the book. No, I think we really only get that. Like he sees her clearly. It's like love at first sight. And then he goes home. Another thing that I thought was funny about in the book is that sometimes we also get these random offshoot stories about random people like the bus driver. In the book, they started telling a random backstory about the bus driver 
who has nothing to do with the story at Clearly all. Clearly not, because I don't even remember that. Yeah, it's it's right at the beginning, and it talks about the bu- whatever the bus driver is thinking. Oh, weird. And it has nothing to do with anything. I wonder if, like, the author was like, hmm, maybe we'll come back to this guy, and then just forgot and about it. And then just it. never did. <laughs> um, and then we see Willard in the car with Uncle Erskel. Mm-hmm. I love that name. <laughs> yeah. I kept going back and forth. Is it Erskel? Erskel? Yes. Like <laughs> Erskel. Erskel. Um, and, he, and this is where Willard gives him the gun. And he says that it was the gun that Hitler shot himself with. Yes. Clearly it wasn't, but... Uh, a boy but it, can dream. Yeah, but the thing I did like about this movie and the book, like, there's these little things that happen that end up circling back yes. towards the end. And everything kind of has its purpose in this book and in the storyline. Yeah. He says that he's in love with this girl from the diner. That he just can't get, you know, his mind off of her. So, but then we get into... He's now back at home. He goes to church, uh... With his mom. <laughs> and like a good mother, she is. She already has a woman lined up for him. You know, like yeah, any, home from the any war. good Christian mother would. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it talks about how her mother had basic, or his mother had basically promised him to Helen. And Helen's, you know, parents had died and, and everything. And she had prayed to God that if God brought her son home from the war safely, he would promise her or him to Helen. Right. And then when that doesn't happen, she thinks that it's her fault that anything bad happens because she didn't follow through with her promise. Hey, if you believe in that sort of that thing, that is Catholic guilt 101. Yeah. <laughs> you know a thing or two about that, don't <laughs> yes, you? <laughs> yes, every day of my life. Um, but in this scene, we get to meet Roy and Theodore. Uh, they're kind of these new age preachers that are coming through town, and it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> they go through this whole thing where, what's your biggest fear? And Roy starts telling this story about, you know, his biggest fear is spiders. And I love this scene because then they, um, they pan over to Willard, and Willard's like, yeah, I'm not buying this yeah he's just like what are they <laughs> like saying? this is crazy and he do- he dumps all these spiders all over his head which apparently are real spiders evidently are real spiders i still feel like they're not all real like there's no way that's disgusting dudley really <laughs> committed to that character yes. <laughs> uh and then at the very end of the scene they talk about how you know helen uh who you know Willard's mom promised to her to her son she actually ends up falling for roy the preacher they make a comment that said she met Roy who she would spend the rest of her life with. Mm. And knowing what happens, it's such an eerie comment that you wouldn't think much about unless you know what What happens happens already. Also like who thinks like, Oh, this man just dumped a bunch of spiders on him. I'm, I'm in love. Yeah. (laughs) I'm totally in love. (laughs) Like, I'll be like, who is this crazy guy? Get him away from me. (laughs) So then we see that Willard goes back to the diner to officially meet Charlotte and actually introduce himself because Sometimes guys forget that yeah. <laughs> to get a name. He's like, oh, right. <laughs> I don't know her name. Rush, maybe there's a guy who has it, who has met you before who's just waiting to come back. Where would he have met me? In my apartment? Know. Starbucks? <laughs> I don't go anywhere. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but fast forward, we see that they get married. They have baby Arvin. And then they go and they want to, you know, start a family and, you know, have a home. So they rent this house because they're not able to afford to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up renting it from a really awful landlord who we get a flash in the pan of who he is in the movie. In the book, it is he is such a larger yes. character and a lot more happens. Way more happens. So the character in question is Mr. Dunlap. He is a lawyer who uh, rents the house out to the russells um but basically we get a whole backstory about how he has a wife who 
um, basically sleeps around. And currently she's sleeping around with their um, African-American gardener. And how he's, you know, obviously during this time, that's like a big no-no. And he's trying to figure out, like, how can I get her to do this? Should I kill her? Should I have someone else kill her? He tries to coerce Willard into killing her. He doesn't really fall for it. Long story short, Willard ends up killing Mr. Dunlap. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't get any of that in the movie. Which I actually didn't mind. I don't think that it necessarily did anything. The only thing I think we lost is you don't really get Willard's full state of mind during this time. Because, right. like, if he's going so far as to kill somebody that he, like, barely knows, clearly he's, he's messed well, up Well, and he head. kills him because he feels like he needs to make a sacrifice. That's right, which we'll Be- get to. Yes. The whole sacrifice. So, yes. but then, and then also, when Willard kills the landlord, don't they end up frame Like, basically, they end up... They frame the wife. Yeah. Yes, because they're basically like, oh, well, she was clearly sleeping with this guy and he- they didn't want the husband to know or whatever. And, it was like a yeah. solid 30 pages in the book. Yeah. <laughs> which is not a very long book. So. Right. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I get it. It was it was kind of a long, drawn-out thing. Yes. It just kind of added more to, like, Willard was kind of gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I didn't understand is, like, why even introduce Mr. Dunlap in the movie if he's not going to be a part of the movie? Right. You could have just said they rented a house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. so, and then we get to see, you know, that he does start praying again because he wants to make, you know, it right with his family or w- wants to get back into religion to make right with the Lord because he wants the Lord to watch over his family. Yes. Um. So we see him to start, Willard starts praying again in the movie. Uh, and then it also flashes um, to show that, you know, Helen and Roy have now gotten married mm-hmm. and that they've had baby Lenora. Yes. Again, it goes a little bit out of timeline how this happens in the book. We'll go into a little bit more description later. So in the movie, we see Helen taking baby Lenora over to Willard's mom's house. Mm-hmm. And she's basically just like, can you babysit? for a little while and we see Helen walk out of the house and the narrator says, you know, little did we know this, that was the last time she would ever see Lenora because they end up finding her body seven years later. And then it goes to nine years down the road. And I'm like, wait, are we not going to get the story? I thought the same thing. So I'm like typing in my notes. And then I was like, (laughs) Okay, they came back to it. So we'll get to it in a little bit. But yeah, I kind of liked how they did it. It was kind of like a little bit suspenseful. Yes, I agree. Um, So it does show that, you know, it's now been nine years. Arvin's starting to get picked on at school. Um, He gets into fights. And Willard takes him out to the prayer log to pray. He wants him to kind of have that with him. And he thinks that it will help. And this part actually is what happens at the very beginning of the book. Correct, yes. So... Willard and Arvin are praying out of the prayer log and two hunters come by them and they start talking about Charlotte being home and basically saying like his wife's at home while he's praying. Like, I bet I could go and, you know, have my way with her. And Willard just kind of sits there and takes it. He tells basically Arvin, like, you got to wait for your time. I mean, this is exactly how it happens in the book. They end up later going and finding these guys Mm -hmm. and Willard kicks the crap out of them. Yes. Right there when, uh, <laughs> right there in front of Arvin. And actually in the book, I think there's a lot more, like he actually beats the guys up a lot worse. Oh yeah. To the point where I think one of them can't even like walk properly anymore. Right. Like he kicks the crap out of <laughs> yeah. him. But like I said, he tells the story, the lesson that he taught, teaches Arvin is like, you know, sometimes you can't fight right then. Mm-hmm. You have to wait for your time where you will actually succeed mm-hmm. when you're fighting, which yes. again, comes, comes into play later yes. around. Um, Something to note too, they say it in the book and in the movie. Um, this is, this goes down as 
Arvin's best day that he yes. spends with his dad, which I thought that was interesting. It's rough. <laughs> uh, so, but then they get home from, you know, him beating up these guys and Charlotte's on the floor. Mm-hmm. Come to find out Sh- Charlotte has cancer and she's sick. So I was a little disappointed in the movie about how quickly they kind of passed this up. Mm-hmm. So how it happens... <laughs> I hate this next part. How it happens in the book, or sorry, in the movie, is she's sick, and then, you know, Arvin and Willard go out and they pray. And they're screaming their prayers. And in the book, I felt like that was such... It was such a powerful time when they were, like, screaming these prayers that, like, people from mm-hmm. down the road could hear them. And they would lose their voices because they were praying so loud. And we didn't get... We got a little bit of them yelling, but not a whole lot. Yeah. So, and also in the book, there's a lot of animal sacrifices. He goes and, you know, sacrifices all of these like sheep and all this other stuff. Yeah. So a little difference in, <laughs> you know where I'm going, yeah. a little bit of difference in the movie, Arvin has this dog named Jack and Jack is like his best friend. I know. So in the book though, Jack is not around all the time. No, in the book at this point, uh, Willard has sacrificed quite a few different animals. And I think Arvin just happens to find a dog and he's like, oh, how cute. Can we keep him, dad? And then Willard decides to sacrifice the dog. Yes. In the movie, it's a hundred times worse. way worse. (laughs) uh, The second I saw Jack at the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh my God, they are making him being like his best friend. As I'm watching this with my dog in the (laughs) the bed with me, I'm like, oh my gosh. Awful. And and granted, it resonates so much worse. I almost... I hate saying this, but I almost liked it better in the movie because it made it that much like he's willing to sacrifice his son's best friend because he thinks that it will help his wife get better. Well, and it strains Arvin's relationship with Willard so much more, Mm -hmm. too, and he resents him so much more. Yeah. So justice for Jack. Yeah. Justice for Jack because that was so unnecessary. But he did give him like a nice last meal, which was, again, even worse. Still (laughs) terrible. But obviously didn't work. Charlotte ends up dying. And so they're at the burial site and they, you know, have the funeral funeral for Charlotte. And they're in the car and Willard tells Arvin, like, we're going to go and visit your grandma for a while. We're going to go on a trip. And so Arvin's like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so he's trying to find his dad because his dad kind of walked off and he goes to the prayer log and comes to find out that his dad had killed himself. Yes. So then Arvin ends up going, he goes home, finds a pie on the, on the front step, eats the pie. Yeah. And then he walks down and finds his dad. And then he goes to the, to the general store down mm-hmm. the street. And in the book, we get a lot more description about what happens when he goes to this general store. Yeah. And he be- basically becomes friends with the, with the owner yeah. or the guy who's working there. Mr. Hank. Yeah. <laughs> so, which I, I, in my mind in the book, I thought he was like this young, like kid working at the store, but he's like some <laughs> old man. All right. Uh, but then uh, Mr. or Officer Lee Bodecker comes in like, is like, you know, what's going on, kid? And he says, you know, my dad killed himself. And that's kind of where that part of the movie kind of yes, ends. Correct. So we we know that Arvin is now all by himself. <laughs> so, but that whole, that whole part was way more drawn out in the book than it was in yes, the movie. Yes, 100%. So now the movie shifts seven years earlier. So we get back to what we were talking about with Helen and... Roy and Lenora. Mm-hmm. So we see, you know, we see them at home together and Roy's having this like crazy mental breakdown. He's saying like, you know, God's no longer talking to mm-hmm. 
crammed himself into a closet for some reason. Yeah, and he had been bitten by one of the spiders. And I think that was one of the things that set you him You think? Off. Yeah. Maybe don't no throw spiders on yourself. Roy comes out of the closet, <laughs> not figured, like literally, literally comes out of the closet. <laughs> and he's like, God has spoken to me. He's spoken to me and he's acting all kind of crazy. And this is where then we see the scene of Roy takes Helen out to the woods and he kills her. And it was, it was so crazy because I knew it was going to happen and it still scared mm-hmm. me. I literally jumped when he like pokes her in, yes. the, in the jugular. In the book, it happens a little bit differently. Theo has a way bigger role or Theodore. I call yeah. Theo. Good old Theo. Um, he has a way bigger role, especially in this particular moment yes. um, in the book. Yeah. In the book, you get a sense that, um, and I think uh, one of the characters like mentions this, you get a sense that Theodore has this sort of obsession, possibly like love relationship with Roy. And because he marries Helen, Theodore feels like he's being overshadowed and like Helen really needs to be like out of the picture kind of thing. So when he goes to kill her, he tries to basically like, he's thinking God's telling me to do this. I'll resurrect her. And then we'll, we'll go on our merry way. But right. like Theodore knows like we're killing her because we, we no longer need her and we don't want right. her. Basically. Well, and Roy wanted to kill something else. He wanted to kill like an animal. And yeah. Theo was like, that's not big enough. Right. You got to go. Yeah. And he was like, totally like walked in right into that. Right. One. <laughs> Which I was like, hmm, interesting. Roy, you're really gullible. <laughs> yeah. Very gullible. Um, but yeah, so he tries in the movie, he tries to resurrect her and it's clearly not working. Yeah. So he's like, oh my God, what did I just do? Roy and Theo start to leave town. And all of a sudden, you know, Theo's asleep in the car by himself and Roy's gone. Yep. Roy's gone and he's hitchhiking and he gets picked up by Sandy and Carl, which does happen in the book, but way later in the book. This change was like shocking and jarring. I was like, wait a minute. Up until this point, I felt like the movie was going pretty consistently with the book. And then they threw this in there. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. So what happens in the movie? So Roy says, who remember is Lenora's dad, Mm -hmm. says that he's headed back to Coal Creek because he wants to be with his daughter. He wants to make it right. He wants to. After killing his wife. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, Sandy and Carl have a different idea. So they stop off and they want to take some pictures of Roy and, you know, Sandy's there and is trying to seduce him. And Roy's like, what is happening? Right. And Carl ends up shooting him in the head. Yes. So. Which does happen in the book. It does happen in the book, but it takes a while to get there. Yes. Because Roy and Theo in the book actually do leave town. They do. So they leave town and we get a lot more of backstory and kind of what's going on with Roy and Theodore. But essentially they uh, join some sort of a a circus circus, essentially (laughs) because I mean they are kind of freaks like the whole act that they've got going on. So they join the circus. They meet a bunch of people. You know, they they do the whole thing. But eventually they get thrown out because there's an incident between Theodore and one of uh, the other, I think circus people uh are you talking about the flamingo lady or flapjack the clown (laughs) flapjack the clown i think (laughs) i don't know who knows um but essentially they get thrown out then they're down on their luck because they're they don't have any more money they're living out in the woods eventually um theodore gets to the point where he's kind of he's been drinking and like 
he's not right. It's so very descriptive it's in the book. Very it's like, descriptive. Because Theo, I don't know if we mentioned, is in a wheelchair. Yes, correct. He can't, and he's, he's like literally just sitting in filth for days. Yes, it's it's disgusting. Anyway, at one point, Roy leaves and comes back to find that Theodore has passed away. So that is the catalyst for why he decides to leave. So it's not that he just decided to ditch Theo. Theo, now I'm saying Theo, (laughs) it's not that he decided to ditch Theodore. It's like, oh crap, well, I can't take a dead person with me around, so I need to leave. And that's how we eventually get him hitchhiking. I mean, this is like when Lenora is a teenager. Right, because when he's in the car with Carl and Sandy, in the book, he says, I haven't seen my daughter for almost 17 years. So it's very different. I will say, I personally liked that they didn't include the Roy and Theodore story. I didn't think that it added anything to like the overall, because they still brought him into the mix with Carl and Mm -hmm. Sandy, but we didn't need all of that grotesque, gross, like... Stuff. Everything so I was else. happy that they. Didn't I mean, I did kind of want to see the flamingo lady because I thought it was interesting. But other than I'm that, I'm sure you can find that in um, American Horror Story Freak <laughs> <probably>. Show. Probably. <laughs> so the next thing we get in the movie is Arvin goes is now living with his grandma Emma. So you know this is where Tom Holland. We're 46 minutes in now. <laughs> Tom Holland makes his appearance and they have a little birthday for him, birthday party. And something that I thought was interesting in the book is that they noted that the candle that they used is is a used candle, mm-hmm. that they reuse birthday candles because they don't have money. Right. So I thought that was kind of a nice little thing in the book, like a descriptive thing. Right. We see that Uncle Erskel actually ends up giving Arvin the gun that Willard gave to him, you know, years and years yeah. ago. The Luger, the German Luger. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then we see that Lenora gets bullied at school. Like a lot. And Arvin has really become, you know, her protector. And he stands up for her because she won't do it herself Mm -hmm. because she gets made fun of so much. She's always carrying her Bible around. She's very quiet. And, you know, Arvin's just there to kick the crap out of the guy. (laughs) Everyone needs an Arvin. Totally. I mean, he kind of gets beat up in the process, but Yeah, exactly. So... Now we're seeing them kind of going to church and the older pastor is sick. And he says that his nephew is coming to take over for him. And it's funny, I actually stopped down at this point in the book because I knew that Robert Pattinson played one of the preachers. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, he was Roy this whole time. I was like, oh, that's the preacher. And then I was like, wait a second, there's another one. So I had to stop to see that this preacher was the new one. Correct. So we get the scene of them meeting the new pastor, Preston Teagarden, and... uh, this scene was so sad to me because I felt it in the book too. So they have a big welcoming party for the new preacher and Emma, Arvin's grandma wants to like make him something like she's one of the best cooks, but they don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So she ends up buying the chicken livers and he ends up making a huge scene about how basically, you know, he's so happy to be there and this, he wants to take this as a preaching moment that he will eat the chicken livers so everybody else doesn't have to eat them. Right. So they, they can eat better. Yeah. And she's so embarrassed. I know. And I felt embarrassed for her. And it's just like so sad because it's like for people who don't 
you know, if you don't have money, anything, any little thing is such a big thing. Right. And I just, I hated this moment. And the second this happened, I hated him from, right. and that was the least of our worries with him. <laughs> I you know? know. It's interesting because I think at that point, kind of Emma's like, oh, this is not the preacher that, that we wanted or that I thought mm-hmm. it, it was going to be, which is good to note because mothers and grandmothers always know best. Yes. So we see Arvin being like, this guy's a jackass. And then you see Lenora's little light bulb go, go on that she actually kind of likes him mm-hmm. and his ruffled shirts. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so what I thought was interesting though in the movie we didn't get the inner dialogue of preacher tea garden in the book he doesn't want to be there yeah he basically is like what did my mother get me into right he doesn't actually even want to be a preacher right. the only reason that he's okay with it is because he's a filthy disgusting pedophile yes <laughs> sorry did I, ruin, did I ruin the punchline <laughs> well the next thing i was going to talk about is lenora goes to preacher tea garden to talk about how kids you know, are picking on her. Mm-hmm. So an important thing to to note on this is that usually every day after school, Arvin and Lenora go and visit her mother's grave mm-hmm. almost every single day. Well, on this particular day, Arvin doesn't take her. Yes. He is doing something else that we'll get to in a moment. So, so Lenora goes by herself and then she starts to talk to him about being picked on. And he asks, you know, let's go for a drive. Let's go in my Cadillac for a drive. That'll save everything. Right. So, and then come to find out, he's telling her, you know, you need to take off your clothes and show the Lord how, you know, the way you were made. And it actually isn't all that graphic. I thought it, I thought there was going to be a lot more graphic mm-hmm. than it was because they really don't even show them having sex or anything. Right. He's, we see her kissing him, um, but that's kind of all... Unless you read the book, you were kind of like, oh, they didn't really do anything. Right. You know, still gross. They insinuate it, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but at the same time, while Lenora is, you know, with the pedophile, Arvin is going back and beating up all the boys that were picking on Lenora. He found his right time. He found his right time. This is where he super, super hero (laughs) kicks in the door. He puts bags over their heads because they had said that, you know, no one would sleep with her unless there was a bag over her head. So, you know what? I'm all for it. He does a good job beating up those boys. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was impressed. So we fast forward uh, three months later in the timeline, and it's Sandy and Carl. And we're seeing Sandy is trying to leave Carl. She's over it. And in the book, we get a lot more of their relationship in the book. You almost get the fact that Carl might be gay in the book. They note on that. Mm, we find out yes. like that they don't really sleep together anymore. And then, you know, in the movie, we start to see Sandy going through all these photos of their quote unquote models. Which was interesting to me because in the book, I got way more of a sense that Sandy is disgusted by Carl and what he's making her do. Whereas in the movie, when she's looking at these photos, like it was almost like in a fondness or like a, oh, these memories. So so I found that very weird because in the book, it's Carl who's obsessed with these photos and like what they're doing. So I thought that was very weird. Yeah. So... You know, and we get so much description of what they are doing mm-hmm. in the book. Totally. So if you're just watching the movie, you ca- it takes a little bit to register. Like, it's very descriptive in the book. They're picking Almost up... Almost a little hitch- too descriptive. Right. They're <laughs> picking up hitchhikers. Sandy seduces them. They start having sex. Carl takes, takes pictures of them mm-hmm. while they're doing this. And then he shoots them. Right. So... You know, without having that back, you kind of get it a little mm-hmm. bit in the movie, but not as much. And then uh, in the movie, her brother shows up. Yes. Lo and behold, her brother is Sheriff Lee Bodecker. And he actually ends up picking up 
one of the pictures that she dropped. Yes. And, you know, it starts to realize that there's a lot hidden in this town. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people know a lot of things. And he starts accusing her of being a prostitute and saying that it's going to ruin his election. And again, we get this played out in the book a lot more that she actually is, is. a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, yes. she actually is. But, you know, she denies it till the end. And we end up finding out that like Bo Decker is actually taking bribes from people to turn the other way of the whorehouse right. that she, you know, is working at. Working at. <laughs> so it's just like a, this, like just awful one bad thing justifies another bad thing mm-hmm. um, type story. We, we should mention also that the election that he's going for is sheriff of yes. this town. So <laughs> just saying corruption, yeah, big time, big time. And then we see Sandy and Carl picking up another kid. Poor Gary. Oh, Gary, Gary is a military. He's he's headed out to war. And we do get a little bit of inner dialogue from Sandy that she kind of wanted to let this guy go. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I, I, I just felt like we missed a lot of the Sandy and Carl story. Clearly, you really enjoyed them in the book. I so. just am like, I, I love a good you know, murder yeah. mystery. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of the movie Monster, if you've ever watched it with Charlize not. Theron. Oh, it's so good. But it's kind of same type yeah. thing, like, you know, and I just thought that it was just a huge part in the book that we I missed. Agree. There was not much of it in the movie. I get that. I will say, stop down on this uh, this point too. In the book, I got the feel that Sandy is just this, like she's turned into this ugly, ugly woman with mm-hmm. like terrible rotting teeth and just looks like, awful i don't feel like they did a good job of making her no. look ugly no <laughs> she's a very beautiful actress yeah so i think it was probably hard but i was like you need to watch monster okay because they turn sharp i would Theron that's what made me into, think of that like, a nightmare <laughs> i remember seeing video and, and photos of yeah. Charlize theron so that's what made me think of that i was like yeah they didn't do a really good job of making sandy look well bad. and i feel like hitchhiking in this like clearly hitchhiking in this time frame is such a huge totally thing. so yeah so i don't know i just i agree they, they, they could have given us some more <laughs> Uh, so, but the next thing we see is Lenora is spending more time with Preacher Tea Garden. At least that's what I thought we were getting at. Right. So in the book, we, we actually get, they spend a lot more time together mm-hmm. and they, she's there almost every single day with him. Yeah. And in the movie, I get, I got the impression that that really wasn't the case as much. I think we were supposed to infer that because don't we shoot three months ahead? Isn't that what you said a little earlier that, that we kind of... We yeah, jumped three it, months ahead. Yeah, it was so I think, ahead. yeah, I think we're supposed to infer that they were spending time together and then cut to this scene at the church. Yes. So, but then we get, after the scene where they're talking to each other at the church, we see her back at home, which is actually a flashback yes, that she's sick. That's right. Uh, that she's sick and that, you know, at the same time, she's missing church because she's sick and Preacher Tea Garden is talking about delusions mm-hmm. and how people are delusional. And come to find out she's pregnant and that conversation that they are having in the church is her telling him that she's pregnant Mm -hmm. and he's telling her you know he's denying it and saying that there's no way that it's his and that she needs to get rid of it that that some people sin so badly that it makes them think and and come up with delusions of certain things so he's basically telling her you're crazy delusions (laughs) delusions that's how he pronounces it (laughs) 
You can hear it, right? That was really good. Thanks. Um, yeah, I actually... What would you rate my accent? Um, I would give it a solid three. Great. Just like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I am upset, though. Well, I appreciate that they added that sort of scene in the movie, because we didn't get that in the book, where he's preaching about people who are delusional and stuff. Yeah. So I liked that that kind of brought the whole story, yes. you know, together. So then we see that Lenora is ready to kill herself. You know, she doesn't know what to do. She feels like she sinned. You know, and this plays out exactly how it was in the mm-hmm. book. She, we see her inner di- or we hear her inner dialogue. And then at the very last minute, she decides she doesn't want to do this. And as she's stepping off to get down, she actually slips mm-hmm. and she ends up hanging herself essentially on accident. Right. So, but no one knows. And it's sad because in the book and the movie, they say, you know, it was an accident, but no one will ever know that it was an accident because right. it doesn't, there's no way to tell that that was right. an accident. Yeah. But we find, you know, the preacher won't, you know, say any words at her funeral. And he says it because, you know, he won't do it because of, it was a suicide, but we all know it's because he's a dirtbag. Right. And, you know, Arvin ends up finding out that Lenora was pregnant this whole time. And this really sends Arvin through a tailspin because mm-hmm. Arvin's the one that found her hanging in the, in the barn. Which is different from the book. In How the book, happen? Uncle Erxel finds her. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it was more powerful with Arvin. I agree. Um, and so, you know, Arvin kind of is putting things together. Yeah. You know, he's like, okay, this something happened and I think I know what happened. And so he leaves his grandma a note and he says that he leaves. And I just feel so bad for the grandma I the whole know. time. I'm just like, this poor woman is just trying to be do right by her son, her grandson, this other girl that she took in yeah. and it's just like, ah, oh, I just feel so bad for the grandma in this whole story. <laughs> she just wants to cook chicken livers. <laughs> um, and Arvin goes to the church to talk to preacher tea garden. I love this entire scene. Yeah. The entire scene is so great. And he starts telling the preacher a story and the story realistically is about Preacher Teagard. Right. Just this like back and forth with them is so kind of eerie to me during it because you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Arvin ends up shooting him, you know, and he's dead. <laughs> bye bye, Mr. Teagard. Bye, you're dead. One thing to know, I think uh, we, we skipped over this. He does follow him yes. for a little while. So he follows him, sees him having sex with another, you know, young girl. We get a weird scene of him at home with his wife doing oh, certain yeah. acts to him, which, oh my God, the look on Robert Pattinson's face during that scene, I was like... In his belly? <laughs> oh, so bad. I was like, I can't unsee but I think, that. I think it was supposed to be like... Uh, totally. They, like did, that. they did right by now, the character. Now tell me though, but... in, the, in the book, didn't, did Lenora see him with another girl? Lenora saw when she went to tell him that she was pregnant as she was leaving she saw one of the other girls yes. showing up to and the that church was kind of the... and she realized oh he's been doing this with other yeah. with other girls and then in the book Arvin does see him uh, sleeping with another girl the um, showdown actually doesn't happen in the church though in the book in the book it happens in the woods where he takes all these girls and basically he sees the girl talking to tea garden the girl is saying my sister that you also slept with has chosen to tell our mom about oh, this yeah. and just giving you a warning like people might be coming after you and you get this whole tea garden like freaking out because he's like oh shit i need to get out of here and that's when arvin confronts him yes. so a little different but yeah. the actual way that it played out is almost identical right and i i think having it happen in the church where he Mm -hmm. kills him makes it you know obviously it's 
it's so, you know, the church is supposed to be such a safe place. Yeah. And the fact that Tea Garden has turned it not into a safe place and that's where he ends up dying. Yeah. I was just like, bravo. Yeah, I like the know? way they changed it. So Arvin then tries to head back to knock him stiff and his car dies because everyone has car problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we see Lee Bodecker goes into Leroy's house. So Leroy yes. is the guy who he's been taking bribes from to kind of turn his head. Yes. You he's, know. he's known as T- Tater Brown in the book. Yes. Different name. And then he has a guy named Bobo who's mm-hmm. working for him too. <laughs> but Lee Bodecker goes to his house and kills, ends up killing both of them. Yes. So Which every, does not happen in the book. No, I didn't think so. It was yeah. very, it was very quick in the movie and I was... Unnecessary. I feel like they tried to give Lee more of this like yeah. presence in the movie. Um, and I'm not sure why. Who knows? It was. I think when he found that photo of of Sandy in her house, that like triggered him into like wanting mm-hmm. to do something heroic. Right. And it was like, I don't know that we needed this. Yeah. So, so now we see coming full circle, Sandy and Carl pick up Arvin because yes. Arvin is hitchhiking because his car died, and then we get a flashback of Carl putting a bunch of blanks into Sandy's gun. Mm-hmm. So in the in the book, we get the fact that Sandy had gotten a gun because she, you know, wanted to feel safe. And Carl got her the gun, actually. Carl, yeah, Carl yeah. got her the gun. And she had thought about killing Carl multiple times with this <laughs> yes. gun. Um, and then it kind of caught on to Carl that she might use this against me. So right. he ends up putting blanks in the gun, which becomes very important, yes. you know, because all of a sudden, <laughs> Arvin, you know, like everybody else is like, Okay, something doesn't feel right. These two, I think something's wrong. He sees Carl get out of the car. He has a gun in his Mm -hmm. back pocket or in his pants or wherever. And he's like, this is not good. Yeah. You know, so Carl tries to get him out, Arvin out of the car. Arvin shoots him. And then he kind of has this like face off with with Sandy. Mm -hmm. And they both shoot their guns at the exact same time. Well, Sandy's, you know, is a blank. Right. And Arvin's wasn't. So he ends up killing Sandy as well. And Arvin ends up finding one of the photos, I believe. Yes. In Carl's wallet. He keeps one with him at all times. And he was like, oh God. (laughs) They're they're into some shit. (laughs) I literally dodged a bullet. And um, he ends up taking two film canisters, Mm -hmm. you know, out of the front seat. This plays out a lot more in depth in the book than it does in the movie. Like in the movie... Arvin almost immediately shoots Carl when he, like, goes after him. Whereas in the book, it kind of, like, draws out a little bit. There's some dialogue that happens between them. And then he's like, oh, shit. But either way, I mean, the job gets done at the end of the day. (laughs) And you're just kind of like, bravo. Right. (laughs) Bravo, Arvin. Like, thank you. Uh, And then Lee Bodecker ends up showing up to the scene because, you know, he's a police officer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he shows up, sees that it's his sister. And then, you know, he's realizing, like, this is what they were doing. Right. Because he uh, he knew him, that his sister and Carl were up to something. Yes. But he wasn't exactly sure. And now he's fully aware. So like the crook cop he is, he goes home and goes to Sandy and Carl's, finds all of the evidence of the hundreds of photos they mm-hmm. have and burns all of them. Yeah. I like the fact that in the movie, Carl actually does have a dark room. Whereas in the book, he just finds the canisters under the bed. And the whole thing is like, they're so poor that he can't afford a dark room, considering he's a fucking photographer. Right. <laughs> um, so I thought that was interesting that they added a, a dark room into yeah. the movie. But I really liked this scene because 
as grotesque and as gruesome as these photos are, you see them in the negative yeah. versions. And I thought, A, that was really cool cinematically. And B, it kind of made it a little more bearable to like look at these photos. Right. Because there is seeing- a photo that they show earlier in the movie of basically, it was poor Gary. Yeah. You know, they show him basically castrated. I'm like, okay, right. I didn't need to see that. Right, exactly. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And, and the negative stuff is always a little bit creepier. Yeah, for sure. Know? And we actually see, I think, Roy in one of those pictures, too. Yes, when he goes to burn all of them, his picture's up on top. So now we see Arvin still trying to get back to his hometown. And he finally gets there, and he ends up going back to the same general store where he went the night that his dad died. And the same guy's working Mm -hmm. there, and he realizes, you know, that guy helped him, and he thanks him. Um, He tells him that their house actually burned down. I was hoping in the book it was going to be like this nice, happy, like, he went back and lived in the house (laughs) where he grew up in. Definitely not. And and this is where Arvin realizes that he killed Bo Decker's sister. Right. You know, and he's like, oh, that's not good. (laughs) Like, not good at all. And at kind of at the same time, Bo Decker is realizing that Arvin is the one that killed his sister. Yes. So they kind of do it at the same time. So we know that, you know, something's about to happen. Yeah. He gets a call from the sheriff of West Virginia, this this city that Lewisburg, I think is what it's called, um, that Arvin was living at. And basically he's like, hey, we're looking for this kid named Arvin. He shot a, a preacher here, but he's overall a a good kid like clearly the preacher was doing some not so great things right and then that's when the uh the light goes off in bodecker's brain brain thank you (laughs) um to be like oh these things are tied together and arvin is going up to the prayer log because he wants to bury jack's bones poor jack just for jack Jack. (laughs) (laughs) and while he's doing this bodecker shows up And they kind of get into this, you know, conversation back and forth Mm -hmm. with each other. They're both trying to kill each other, basically. And Arvin ends up killing Bo Decker, you know, and he, you know, shows the picture of his sister to Bo Decker that, you know, that Arvin had taken. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, Arvin, buddy, like he knows. Yeah. (laughs) He knows. Don't put salt on the wound. (laughs) Right. But I do love that he like left the picture there so other people can can kind of find it. Um, but he ends up burying the gun with poor Jack's bones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next thing we see really is Arvin hitchhiking again. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you hitchhiking? Why are we hitch- Why are we still hitchhiking? <laughs> Clearly not a lot of good things happen. He is still hopeful for humanity and he, you know, thinks that they're still good in the world. Sure. I just could never have gotten back into anywhere or back into a car with someone I didn't know after that. It's interesting to note. So in the book, the book kind of actually ends with the statement of hopefully I can find someone to give me a ride. Or I think the narrator says something to that effect. The movie goes one step forward or one step further and gives you the what happens when he does. I thought this was very interesting and I liked it a lot because when he gets hitched, when he gets picked up, it's by someone in a VW van mm-hmm. who looks oddly like Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you picked up on I that. Not. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because then you get a uh, mental like struggle with Arvin. Like, OK, I don't want to fall asleep in this van because clearly like I'm not fully trusting of people, right. but I'm also exhausted. And then he goes into like what his life could possibly be like. He has almost like a flashback flash forward. Like, will I eventually have to go to war again? Because we are in the middle mm-hmm. of two different wars. Like, you know, 
he has these thoughts about his dad's past and then what he wants his future to look like. So I like that we got a little bit more of like, there might might be hope for Arvin for right. his future that we didn't get in the book. Yeah. So I appreciated that. And I think a lot of struggle during this time is people thinking that their lives were already set for them, especially with going to war. Like right. Arvin's like, okay, my dad went to war. So that means I should go to war. Like, right. does that mean I have to go go to war? And I think there probably was a lot of struggle with people at that. Mm-hmm. So I, when I, when I was reading the reviews of this movie, a lot of people didn't fully understand the ending, mm-hmm. but I really liked that. It, the way it kind of left it open ended of just like, what is this kid going to do? And the struggle with him. I loved it. I did too. I liked so, but it. that's how, that's how it all ends. Yeah. Um, so if we have to answer the question, did the movie stay true to the book? I got to say, yes. I feel like, you know, the meat and potatoes were there. For sure. Um, I agree. With the exception of the Roy and Theodore storyline, it's pretty, it's almost to a T what happens in the book. I feel like they kept in what they needed to keep in. They trimmed the fat. Yeah. And I liked it. I, yeah. I can't, I, I didn't fully love the book, but I liked the movie. So yeah. if you had to buy the movie ticket or buy the book, which one are you getting? I'm buying the movie ticket. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Just for the cast alone. Yeah. Like you can't, I, I think any of the, if you put this cast into any roles, yeah. they're going to, they're going to turn it out. But do I think it was a blockbuster hit? No, no. but compared to the book, I do think that they did a better job, like you said, of trimming the fat and giving you the meat and potatoes and like giving you the the things that you need out of the book, which I appreciate. All right, that's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. Go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Boovie Girls. You can also email us at theboovygirls at gmail.com. Next week kicks off our five part Halloween series headed into October. So I'm making a Rosha read five Halloween or scary movies <laughs> and books. Uh, we're going to start off with practical magic. I'm easing her into Thank it. God. I love practical magic. It's one of my favorite, favorite movies of all times. Rosha's never seen it. Never seen it. Never so, read the book. Nothing. Oh, you're going to be wanting margaritas after this one. Let me tell you. <laughs> what does that mean? You will understand next okay. week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. Bye.